and welcome to Walton Biz Talk. I'm your host, Savannah, and I'm with my usual co-host, Gracie. Hello. Excited, as always. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Well, to be honest with you, Halloween weekend to me is a little bit dead and gone, and this will be releasing on November 3rd, I think. What's, mm. tomor- what's tomorrow? November 1st? November 1st? Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, this will be releasing on November 2nd. Okay. But, so, we we just barely stepped out of the spooky zone, but it's still valid, I think. I mean, I'm currently sitting here wearing my coffin earrings. Yeah. So, I don't think that Halloween ends until Thanksgiving. Although, Absolutely. they always say Halloween ends. You remember, well, no, no, I don't want to spoil the Halloween movies, never mind. Because mm. I feel like it's always, like, the last Halloween or... Mm -hmm. Halloween kills or whatever like and then it's just like there's another movie coming out next year always so there'll always be another Halloween but we're excited to present to you a really special episode where we fangirled a little bit about this no a lot of it I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to be cool Mm -hmm. but we got to talk to Jack Moyer of the Crescent Hotel spooky so spooky I actually talked um to him with Sung Min and it's equally interesting, like the personalities that you can debate exist or don't exist there. And then the actual like human personalities that run the Crescent Hotel. Mm-hmm. I guess we can make that into like a rhetorical question. Like who does run the hotel? Is it mm-hmm. the ghosts or now I'm just playing. But actually, Gracie just got married. I did. Snaps to her. <laughs> And she actually visited the Crescent Hotel. I did. We went to Eureka for the honeymoon, and I wanted to stay there. But to be honest, I was a little bit too scared to. I don't blame you. Um, And, you know, also a girl likes to save money um, when she can. So... Um, but we did go to eat pizza at the like the pizza bar, the Sky Bar or something. And I was sitting there just waiting for something to happen. To be fair, it was during the day. So, you know, yeah. probably wouldn't happen. But I was sitting there and I was looking around me the whole time waiting for something to happen. And it didn't happen. But it was still beautiful. It was still a really pretty building. And I did listen to podcasts about it on the way up there and on the way back. And it's got such an interesting history. I want to know, I did see on the website that there are like cats that roam the place. Mm-hmm. Did you see any of the infamous, no, not infamous, famous. No, I did cats. not. Oh, weird. Which is upsetting. Again, it was during the day. So I feel like. But you're not really a cat lady, are you? I like cats. I was voted the most cat lady in our office's like superlative contest. Okay. I think it's just because I wear cardigans and I give that vibe. And coffin earrings. That yeah. kind of gives me black cat. I have a black cat at home vibes. Yes. But it. It's, it was awesome to talk about not only um, the history of the hotel, which is very grim. So trigger warning to those of you, again, who are sensitive to topics like death. Um, this is... Again, not going to be your episode. But the good thing is, it is the last of our Halloween series, part two of our spooky spotlight. And I love hearing about the history as well as how the hotel is run differently from like a normal hotel. Mm -hmm. Because 
it's one thing for a guest to come down and complain, oh, the person above me is too noisy, and a whole different ballpark for you to have get complaints every night. Hey, I think a ghost is like pulling off my sheet every other hour. But that's why people go there. They right. want that to happen. Right. So I don't know if they have some sort of protocol. Obviously, Jack talks a little bit about that, but... Yeah, I think it's really I think it's really cool. I also am someone that I think it's fascinating, but I would be too scared to stay there or to go on a ghost tour there. Um but it is really cool to see kind of the like the, with the mortician that mm-hmm. we talked to. Like you have this this picture of something in industry and how it exists and then you talk to the actual people and you're like, "Oh, these are real people that do this and really take pride in what they do." Right, so it at least makes me feel a lot better about visiting and consuming media about something where the people are like really passionate about, even if it does have kind of a grim history. And we do see from Jack's uh, interview that they take a lot, like they take everything very seriously, what happened there, and um, they have their own personal... um, ethical standards that they have to meet. So that's great to hear as well. But if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about the characters um, that exist, question mark, don't exist, question mark, um, and those who run the hotel, then keep listening. listeners. Um, we're so excited to have you guys back. I'm your host, Savannah Rubino, and I'm here with Sungmin Park. Morning, guys. And we are geeking out because we are here with Jack Moyer of the Crescent Hotel. Hello. Yeah, Jack, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and introducing yourself, maybe talking about how you got involved with the Crescent Hotel and sharing a little bit about yourself. You bet. Uh, my name is Jack Moyer, and I'm the executive vice president of the Crescent Hotel. So, uh, actually, I have have been with the Crescent now for for many years since uh, 1997, uh, and have been a part of uh, revitalizing uh, this property and bringing it back to its status as a symbol of hospitality for the state of Arkansas. So, uh, it's been a great project, and. Uh, I met a few ghosts along the way. I think that's what we're talking about today, right? Yes. So this episode and this season is all about company culture. And we thought it would be really interesting to hear um, a little bit about the hospitality company culture in a place that does hospitality, obviously a little bit differently, because like you said, you have a lot of guests, some of them which are ghosts. So it's a little bit different than running a normal hotel. So for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the Crescent Hotel, would you mind giving a little bit of a backstory on the Crescent, just like a few of the big pieces of history that it entails? You bet. And uh, and thank you for that question because uh, company culture and the creed that guides our company culture is essential to, to uh, what we do here. Uh, uh, the, the Crescent Hotel is, is a legendary property. It was built in 1886. Uh, it was built as the showplace of the Midwest. Uh, it was put in place as many uh, hotels of its stature, significant uh, buildings, to, to get people to ride the railroads 
uh, and rode the railroads to to destinations that were uh, healthier. Uh, so uh, whether it's the Grand Hotel in Mackinac Island or the hotels in Saratoga Springs, New York, or or uh, Battlefield, Michigan, you know, there's there's a lot of different places. The Hotel Door Coronado in Coronado Island, San Diego area, uh, and for for Chicago and St. Louis specifically. Eureka Springs was that destination for the railroads, and uh, it settled uh, soon after uh, the Civil War. Uh, there was a boom uh, in travel, uh, riding the railroads, and there was equity investment building big signature buildings that symbolized uh, this area. And the, the uh, Crescent uh, was uh, put in place to show uh, the status of the burgeoning young town of Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which was a spa town built around the 63 free run, running springs and was just this natural beauty uh, setting. So um, at that time, we were the same size as Fayetteville, Arkansas, believe it or not, uh, you guys being in Fayetteville, to think that Eureka and Fayetteville were the same size city is a little crazy to think now, but we were at that time, uh, and Eureka's population has uh, consistently shrank. Well, Fayetteville's population has obviously consistently grown. But uh, but that's what the, the basis of the hotel was, is it was built as a significant property to get people to ride the railroads uh, and a grand resort of the Midwest. And as it evolved, uh, it, it uh, uh, added a college here. Uh, so in the wintertime, it was a college and conservatory, and in the summertime, still an elite uh, destination resort. Uh, as as the world of uh, tourism and uh, happened, you know, the hotel went up and down. It did have a, a rocky period where the hotel was closed for a little bit. Uh, it had a period, maybe that we'll talk about later, where the hotel was sold to become a a cancer hospital uh, and, and some, some weirdness prevailed or took, took place after that. It, uh, you know, closed during the World Wars and then, then opened back up. And uh, really, uh, when we got here in, um, in the uh, late 90s, uh, uh, we uh, hit a moment that uh, in history when the hotel was uh, uh, at its at its uh, uh, previous golden age, and we said, you know, let's let's uh, set us on a course to a second golden age of the Crescent Hotel, uh, and we have the hotel uh, back and flourishing and uh, welcoming to so many different types of people um, that uh, that we say we're in our second golden age. Uh, like we previously mentioned, uh, this season we're completely focusing on company culture, and we we're super interested to hear about, uh, like, what percentage of employees do you think like work at the Crescent Hotel? For the fact that there's such deep and rich history, and maybe interest in ghosts. I'm sure you manage a lot of great employees, so if you could tell us a little bit about that. We do. You know, we have uh, about 260 employees, and uh, when people uh, ask, you know, why do people work there? Is it a great place to work? I say, you know, you've heard a lot about the hospitality industry and the struggles to find people. Um, and the, the reality here 
for us in Eureka Springs. We pride ourselves on being uh, the best employer uh, in uh, the Northwest Arkansas region for hospitality. Uh, and I, I think it, it rings true when, you know, right now I just met with our human resource manager earlier today, and we only have two uh, positions available for hire at the hotel right now. So, so we're essentially at full employment. I don't think that story is told in hospitality very often, uh, but we have an extremely strong creed. Um, we um, believe it and we live it. And the pieces to that are, above all, our destination properties, the Basin Park Hotel and the Crescent Hotel, create lifetime memories for our customers that come here. Um, and uh, the, the, the team is a part about that. That's one part of the creed. Another part of the creed is if we're successful at creating lifetime memories, we'll have people that will travel here. We can generate enough money to make a profit. And if we can generate enough money to make a profit, we can protect the irreplaceable. Nobody's rebuilding the Crescent Hotel if something happens to it. So we are all stewards of these properties. Uh, and by protecting the irreplaceable, uh, we are doing something that, you know, sort of makes you feel good about the work that you do. Um, we believe really strongly in our people. We believe extremely strongly that uh, turnover is a problem and a, a scourge on, on the operation. And we do everything we can do not to turn over good people. Uh, so part of that is a promotion of uh, or a, uh, a practice of promotion from within. The majority of my managers uh, believe the culture, uh, and if you uh, are on the team, you believe what we're what we're doing. Uh, you're you're hardworking, and you continually press to do ten percent better than the standard. And you're a candidate for promotion from within. Most of our managers have been promoted from within. So, the third tenet of our creed is build the individual. Uh, and then the fourth candidate of the creed, which is essential, and I wish more uh, folks would, would understand it, is, you know, if Eureka is not vibrant, our hotels are not vibrant. Our team understands that. And in doing so, uh, being community-minded is the fourth tenet to our creed. And everybody likes working within those, those parameters, you know. Uh, it's, it's fun to create lifetime memories. It makes you feel good about protecting the irreplaceable. You want to have a career path for those who want to be promoted from within. They want to feel like they are, uh, have an opportunity to, to build their career. And, you know, this is the town that we live in. You know, we work so hard to keep Eureka Springs small, but relevant. And, you know, everybody loves that it's a small town and as Northwest Arkansas booms, it's tricky to, to stay fresh relevant and smaller in size. Uh, but that's our key component to what we do here. That's awesome. And I would love to know, I was on your LinkedIn and I saw that you have experience in hospitality. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know what things, obviously the Crescent Hotel has a lot of quirks. So what are some differences in managing like a normal hotel and managing the Crescent? Because obviously there's a little bit of a difference there between your normal operation. So like what little things might you experience or expect to experience working there? 
with the ghosts that you probably wouldn't have to experience at a normal hotel. Well, I would say very few Marriott's have morgues in them. Is that probably a true statement? Yeah. So uh, uh, life is a lot different in a historic hotel. You know, uh, the uh, uh, the customer, our guest, comes for different reasons. You know, they're very experiential here. Um, it's very different than anywhere else in the in the world. You know, in the country. And, uh, it is not just a place where you get a good meal and uh, where you get a comfortable night's sleep. Of course, we satisfy those two core elements, and that's a, that's where the similarities um, um, uh, run parallel. But the experiential component uh, is essential. And, uh, you know, I don't think a whole lot of people that are working in a, a brand new uh, Marriott chain are thinking about the preservation of the building or the the historical tales or who's come through the doors and and that runs deep here and that's part of our story and that's why people are coming here and uh, you know uh, one of our real key um, items that drove this project from the beginning was uh, our owner at the time was uh, Martin Rennick, Marty Rennick, and and his wife today still owns the property. And together, Marty used to say, you know, it's Jack's plan and my money. Uh, and and uh, that was very accurate. It worked out good for me in that scenario. But but the key element that Marty would talk about is a building is not preserved until it's sustainable. And so oftentimes you'll see a historic building, get a lot of money dumped into it. And then five years later, it's not, not uh, in operation. And the reason for that is you have to have a sustainable business plan to partner with the restoration. Uh, and we've been lucky here that, that uh, uh, Marty and Jack and Elise, uh, we've, we've been able to develop a, a viable business plan that equals sustainability. And I see those as half and half. You got to fix it half the time and you got to operate it relevant and uh, compelling for the other half. And that's what sustainability, historic uh, preservation really means. We love your take about uh, how protecting the irreplaceable. I love that, by the way. That might be the title of this episode. We'll have to see. But uh, he wrote it down in his notes. Okay, we're, we're in. <laughs> um, so running a highly acclaimed hotel must be a challenge. So uh, we're wondering, how do you uh, how do you manage your time well by, because I know you have to work with the hotel, the ghost tours, the spa. So you have a lot on your hand. So do you mind uh, telling the listeners like maybe a general tip for time management as we're all students and something like that might be useful and something that you do specifically that helps you enable this month to go smoothly because I'm sure October is absolutely crazy for you guys. Yeah, October is our busiest month, uh, but we are busy 12 months of the year. And uh, yeah, I think that's a very good question because, you know, um, it's it's where a lot of managers get, get uh, they stumble up a little bit. You know, uh, they, they try to over control the situation a little bit. Um, and the reality is, you know, just to sort of frame out my world, 
we we have uh, the Crescent Hotel. The Crescent Hotel has individual business units within it. Uh, so we operate a, a good size uh, spa. We have a ghost store business. We have three restaurants, two bars. We have a we have a uh, uh, a hotel resort operation. So there's seven business models, businesses inside of the Crescent Hotel, and a similar number inside of the Basin Park Hotel. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, property with the Gavioli Chapel, where Intrigue Theater uh, operates is, uh, under us. We, we, we uh, have an apartment complex that we're developing for our um, our team members. Uh, we we own and operate the War Eagle Mill, um, uh, and and um, so there's there's several things that are that are happening. We participate widely within the community, and the Eureka Springs Community Center is an area of focus. Uh, Eureka Springs Main Street project has been, uh, you know, so so all of those things added together. If you if you try to over control or manage them all, it would simply be impossible. So so I think there's a key lesson there, and that is, you know, your leader sets the standards and communicates the expectation, and you have to empower your team to, to sort of buy into that and execute those strategies. And, and that's really what I worked hard on to do is, um, you know, the leader always has a spotlight on them. Uh, you you are the above anything else the standards bearer for the operation, and then you need to communicate to individuals that are well trained who share that same brand vision and standard, uh, and then ultimately trust them to launch that. And you know there's there's hiccups along the way that you, you know I I do not say that we are a perfect business here, uh, but but we are. We are good at what we do, and when we we have bumps in the road, we fix them and we put it right back on. Uh, but you have to trust the people because there's not enough time in the day to run 30 business models. You need 30 people who are leading those 30 business models, and and that's what we do. So so my time is spent primarily um, setting standards, uh, focusing on the brand, uh, and then and then. Um, trusting coaching and and encouraging people to just make the decision you know my my team i, I say it all the time just make the decision 90 percent of the time it's going to be the same decision i'm going to make and the other 10 percent will talk through the solution so that's how it works that's awesome i love how dedicated you guys are to i definitely see a difference in companies that have like a ground up approach and making sure that everything's good with their employees and then everything is good with the business. And I love that you guys are so dedicated to that and to see that you guys share the same passion for the history or the ghost tours, everything that comes um, with the Crescent Hotel, because there are so many layers to it. But since October is your busiest month, I would love to hear if you could share with us Give us a little bit of insight into if people are going to be visiting the hotel, what are some of the quote unquote characters that they might expect to run into? Uh, do you guys have any specific ghosts that are that roam the halls? Um, I know, I believe some of the uh, rooms are specifically 
known for having more activity than others. So could you share a little bit about that? Oh, of course. You know, uh, we we love the paranormal aspect here. You know, uh, those are uh, two of our biggest markets in the fall collide. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of um, uh, individuals who love the weather. So so our uh, people that are coming for, for getaways, there's couples. We have a lot of weddings. The fall travel is, is high. And then, of course, the paranormal is super interesting at this time of the year. So, uh, so uh, you know, I mean, we have, we have a few famous ghosts. I think the difference between the Crescent Hotel and other places, other places can say, oh, yeah, they have a, a famous ghost who's been seen in the hallways, you know, like ours. You know, we have... We have Michael. Michael is uh, such a uh, a trickster. You know, I I get to hear a lot of the stories. So I hear, you know, over a period of decades now. You know, I've been here over twenty years. I've heard uh, guests in two eighteen feel like someone was pushing down on them, and the the bed was imprinting, or things were moved around in the room, or or up in uh, room four nineteen, Theodora, uh, who's a clothes thrower. The people have, uh, you know, gone to bed and they wake up the next morning and their clothes are out of their uh, uh, closet strewn or uh, that they go back to their room and they try to push open the door and the luggage is stacked up next to the door. And, you know, I've had a lot of firsthand reports of that, you know, so uh, I think that is uh, fantastic. You know, there's, there's flying orbs at the hotel that are not just caught on camera, that you can physically see. And I have, have physically seen a three-dimensional orb moving in, in the hotel lobby. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, action. Uh, uh, you may be following along with, with what uh, our most recent discovery is. We, we, of course, a couple of years ago, found the dump site for the Baker Hospital. Lots of things have been talked about with the Baker Hospital. What happened here from 1937 to 1939? Uh, but now we sort of know. You know, there was a forensic pathologist who had an experience at the Crescent Hotel. Uh, we connected to him. He has examined what's in the jar. Uh, it's it's human material. It's a it's a human bed sore that was operated and removed. Uh, from one of the patients and had gauze still in it. So, so those investigatory surgeries and attempts to cure what was perceived or thought to be cancer, uh, that stuff happened here uh, at the hotel. So, so there's still uh, lots of things happening at the Crescent Hotel that modern day hauntings uh, continue. Fortunately, it's all a little it's a little thrilling to say the least uh but but nothing too too scary so um anyways that's that's what's happening here lots of lots of fun and it's really stimulated our family market you know there's so much interested in in the paranormal probably because uh there's paranormal tv shows and and tiktok is crazy with the paranormal and you know but the basis of that is the unknown, right? We know something is happening. There's there's too much that is occurring that's unexplained. So I think a lot of folks are trying to figure out what is happening. And uh, you know, that's the basis of 
the paranormal. If you don't know what's happening, you can fill in the blanks. And so many images and and stories and and uh, first person accounts. Something's out there, and and the Crescent Hotel is essentially the epicenter uh, of that activity. Uh, you were mentioning the human matter that was found in one of the burial sites. Uh, do you mind telling us a little more about Norman Baker? I mean, he's such a character, and I tried to do a little bit of research and found so much good material on him. Oh, yeah. And if you could tell us a little more. Well, you know, um, in 1937 to 39, um, a, a charlatan named Norman Baker came uh, and purchased the hotel. The hotel was in a down cycle. Uh, Norman Baker uh, was... Uh, a successful businessman of questionable means, but but he had everything from a, a traveling show that rivaled uh, Buffalo Bill's show to uh, two uh, cancer treatment centers in a town called Muscatine, Iowa. Uh, and he was sort of being chased out of there and was looking for a new location. And he, he found the Crescent Hotel and he wanted to build a 1,000 bed um, cancer hospital. Uh, he hired doctors and he expanded and modified the facility. Uh, he drove around in in uh, his uh, fancy cars and wore his lavender suits and and um, you know he had a radio station in in Mexico that could broadcast all the way up to to uh, Minnesota, and he put out messaging that that he had the cure to cancer and and people were desperate and. Uh, they flocked to this town and to this property uh, to to um, be cured of cancer and what ailed them. And and it is true that many people um, were healed, not of cancer, but but of all the things that people thought were cancer. Um, but also equally as true is is people died and they they passed away here in the facility and. You know, one of the, the ghosts, you know, as, as people progressed and uh, pain uh, became more of an issue, they were moved into the annex area of the hotel. Uh, and, you know, there is a there is a, a neat, uh, interesting, unexplained story about a, uh, a, a gal who appears in, in 3500. And, um, you know, it is it's just one of those that you, you can't really explain away it, it's happened it's happened to multiple people and, and um, you know it, it appears to be uh, an individual who was here at the cancer hospital so so there's just a lot uh, uh, with Norman Baker he he over he overreached and he ended up uh, going to jail for for mail fraud saying that he cured cancer which he obviously did not and and uh, and then ironically he passed away of cancer so so uh, uh, that was quite a time, but but what happened with the dump is there was rumors for a long time that that the the experiment from Norman Baker had been taken to this dump, and we had assumed the city dump, but it turns out that the dump was actually just behind the hotel, and we discovered that when we were sort of trying to create a little mulch pile and our landscaper opened the hill and the hill fell away. And then all of a sudden, all of these thousands of jars um, of, 
uh, Baker material was discovered. Actually, University of Arkansas came over and has uh, has chronicled the site as a historical midden, uh, and we have secured it. Uh, so you can you can see what it looks like inside the hill, and you can still see many of the jars that are on display back where they were removed from, which is down in the morgue. Wow. Well, that's actually a perfect segue, the Norman Baker narrative, into my closing question. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, the Netflix series Dahmer, but there's been a lot of backlash on that series because people feel that sometimes you don't need to commercialize off of stories, especially when there's victims. And we know that the Crescent Hotel uh, has like we talked about, a dark history. So it seems like we keep coming back to this idea of preserving the irreplaceable. So you have a great respect for what happened at the Crescent Hotel and on the grounds. What steps do you take to find that balance between, of course, having a profit, keeping the place going, keeping the lights on, and then also honoring the victims and their stories? You bet, yeah. You know, uh, here's what I will say about the Baker Hospital. There was a level of care uh, there that he, Baker never said that he was a doctor. Um, he had uh, medical professionals, MDs on staff. Uh, there was a level of care that took place here where Baker overstated was he was saying he had a cure to cancer. Maybe he thought that in reality, now hindsight, we know he didn't. And where Baker ultimately got in trouble uh, and where his ethics were severely in question is when individuals did pass away, he would continue to bill uh, the families. Uh, so obviously greed got in the way. Uh, as, as for the paranormal, uh, as you might imagine, this is a hotel with an active history and things do happen here at the hotel. Uh, we uh, make it a point that uh, if it's in current day history, uh, those are off limits tales. Uh, if there is uh, still family, family that we are aware of that, that is suffering from a tragedy or a, or a death or, or an incident, uh, that is off limits uh, in our world. Um, uh, and and uh, it won't come out of our team. We won't tell uh, those stories. I don't think that's appropriate, and uh, that's uh, our practice here. Uh, I am unaware of any of Theodora or Michael's or Norman Baker's family, uh, so so I think those tales. Um, uh, and again, we don't we don't certify any tales, and we don't make up any tales. We will retell stories that have been seen uh, by us or have been told to us, uh, and the. The interesting part about the Crescent Hotel and Eureka Springs is that those stories happen in such prevalence. They're so common uh, that much of the lore people know um, already coming. And what they're really interested is visiting the site uh, of where those stories have occurred and where the sightings um, are, are on a regular basis uh, occurring. So. So I, I think that's a good question. I I uh, I feel like uh, people should be in conflict with that. 
Um, and we are very careful that uh, individuals that still might be hurting don't have to hear anything that would resurface that. Uh, so, so that is uh, something we're very uh, sort of passionate about. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate this chat. And it's just, it makes me want to go even more. I've never been to the Crescent Hotel. Oh I'm my gosh, hoping, you need to get over here. Yeah. I know. I'm really hoping to come down um, this fall, actually. So maybe I'll get a chance to see. But it definitely makes me feel so much better about, um, you know, giving my money to a place that really invests and respects the history. And like you said, is committed to this idea of preserving the irreplaceable. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I'm also excited that Arkansas has such a, a deeply uh, rich history in Eureka Springs. Oh, yeah. And I'm excited to witness it myself. Yeah. Well, we, we, we appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to share our story. And yeah, this, is a, this is an Arkansas treasure. And, and we're honored to be able to, to keep, uh, keep it going for another generation. Oh, yeah. Well, listeners, that was Jack Moyer, and we are signing off for our interview. Welcome back to the Biz Talk Buzz. It's Savannah. Oh, and it's Gracie. And we're just here to recap that awesome episode. Sorry, I was trying to think of something like a spooky adjective. Spooktacular. Spooktacular episode. And I want to say, I don't think I knew like the depth of the history of the hotel. Um, and learning that made me think a little bit about my place and consuming that type, like I talked about in the intro, consuming that type of media um, or in I any respect, like for example the Dahmer series on Netflix. I know I asked Jack about that, how you can kind of see parallels between, you know, sharing stories that aren't yours, especially when they have a very dark history. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Kind of like the difference between exploitation and preservation. Yes. I feel like, um, I also think that this is a hard conversation for me just because a lot of what I do in my academic life is some form of dark tourism. Like, really so like what i study jack the ripper is i don't know like i like read like reading it is very difficult and it's things that happen to real people and that kind of thing and so i think maybe because they have the benefit of not that it not that the crescent hotel's history happened that long ago but they have more benefit of it happened longer than something like Right. the Dahmer series. Um, I mean, I also think it's interesting. I've grown up in Arkansas my whole life and I've always known about the Crescent. Um, but the extent that I knew about it was I thought that the shining was based off of that hotel, which I'm not even sure if that's right. No, it's actually, I think it's based off of a hotel in Arizona. Okay. I don't know. So what I'm I knew was then. wrong, <laughs> what I knew was wrong, but yeah, I feel like there's a tricky line between exploitation exploitation and preservation but i do feel like having some sort of his some sort of time difference helps right and not that it solves because really you can't there's no solution to what happened so i think telling the stories is important 
But I do love that Jack brought up that their whole mission is to preserve that irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only with the building, but also the stories. They had that policy where if they know that anyone um, affected by the Crescent Hotel Mm -hmm. and its past is still alive, then they will opt to just not tell their story. So I love that. And I love that they're making... Because let's be honest, true crime, dark stories, dark tourism is probably, I think, one of the most profitable things today, whether it be the series we watch on Netflix or about real events or fictional events, places people go. Mm -hmm. We've seen it happen. I myself have visited Gettysburg, Mm -hmm. um, and I know that also Mm -hmm. took place a lot longer ago, Mm -hmm. but it's... I also feel like it's always been that way, though. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I... I mean, when I was researching dark tourism, it talked about how um, it all, like, you can trace it back to when people used to watch public hangings. Yeah, like, in the eight, in the ninth, excuse me, the 1800s, the 19th century, I don't think it was a, public executions were illegal until, like, 1860-something. Right. Um, and I could get that date totally wrong. Not that it was right. But, but right. But like people were going and watching and they were spending the day watching, watching that. There's and, this yearn to know about the things that we shouldn't know about. Exactly. Exactly. And it's always been that way. And so, I mean, you know, cause there's people ask, I feel like why true crime now? Mm-hmm. And it's, that's been a question that people have been asking for a very long time. And yeah, you can make a lot of money off of it. And so I think having the ethical desire or the desire to do it in an ethical way, as opposed to something like Dahmer, because that whole thing was that they didn't get the permission from permission the, from the family right. that are still living and still very much dealing with the fallout of that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's also just like a crazy history right. of the Crescent Hotel. Right. And I'm really excited to see, I like that they kind of keep the management, quote unquote, in the family. Like they keep it um, close to people who have it close in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And I still have yet to visit the Crescent Hotel, but... The second that I do, I will come back with stories to update the audience. That's all we have for today. Please stream wherever you get your podcasts and follow us at Walden underscore BCL on Instagram. And I want to give a big shout out to Jack, of course, for coming on and talking to us. Gracie for coming on as well as Sung Min, who was the main co-host for this episode. Macy and Joaquin, who are our social media specialists. And then Jackie and Cole for being our awesome editors. We'll be back to you soon with casual conversations about professional things.